Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. is Relentless Dairy on Podbean.com. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com. I am your host, Tyler Morgan, and this week I had a great opportunity to do my first interview for the podcast. Um... So as many of you know from the last episode, I did a segment on the movie Cuties. And I did that cold. I had not seen the movie. I was going off reports and other articles written about it. That being said, a few days later, I saw that uh, Josh Jennings, who is a copywriter for The Blaze, had put out an article about the movie Cuties. I took the opportunity to read it, and there was a lot of points that he made in the movie that I just didn't get because I hadn't actually seen it. So I got to talking with Jennings and decided, you know what? I'm going to watch this movie, and that way I would like to discuss your article with you on the show. And so this last... This last week, I had the opportunity to do a virtual sit down with Jennings and discuss his article and discuss the movie and uh, some of the uh, more the more overarching points of the movie that may have been missed because of all the other controversy surrounding it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Josh Jennings from The Blades. All right. So I am proud to welcome for my first interview here on Relentless Daring, uh, Mr. Josh Jennings. Uh, those of you who've been listening to The Blaze long enough, you may remember Jennings as the producer for Andrew Heaton's There's Something Off with Andrew Heaton. He's also a copywriter for The Blaze. You may have heard some of his more off-kilter uh, ads that he writes for uh, Glenn to do on his live reads, like the day everything was alien-related. Proud work of Mr. Josh Jennings. Jennings, welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. Thank you for having me, Tyler. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Um. So recently, the the whole world has been worked up with the uh, cancel Netflix uh, phenomena over the movie Cuties. And I will admit, last week's show, when I went into it, I went into it completely cold. I did not watch the movie. I was making a lot of suppositions based off everything I was hearing. And then you wrote an article for The Blaze, and it was published on glenbeck.com. And you're a person whose opinion I really respect, so I was like, okay, I'm going to see what uh, Jennings had to say on this. And it was a very deep article. Uh, 
Well, what was your you know big impression going into it when you sat down and watched that movie? Well, first of all, thank you uh, for your kind words. I, I certainly do try. Uh, when so the morning of, uh, I had been listening to uh, the show, um, and, and he brought it up and he talked about it, and uh, he talked to you about it. Neither of neither of them had seen it yet, but that he could listen to it really awful. And um, kind of a I guess out of a morbid curiosity, I thought, well, I have Netflix. I'm gonna give you know, let's let's watch a few minutes of it and see if it's really all that bad. Um, and I I watched about thirty minutes and uh, and I turned it off. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, going into it, you know, yeah, I was like you. I was expecting just an hour and a half of, oh, my God, what am I watching? And then uh, in your article, you you described it as almost like a uh, Stand By Me redux. And I, at first, as when I saw that in your article, I was like, okay. If, if if he's going back to one of the, you know, one of the better movies that I've seen growing up, you know, one one of my favorite Stephen King short stories. Now I I definitely need to uh you know take take the time and really watch it, and yeah it's it's definitely. I think it'd be a great coming of age story. I mean, you could still have the references to the dancing and all that, but uh, like you said in your article, just the explicit body tracking shots, you know, uh, the first member of that dance crew, when she's introduced in the apartments, she's wearing a pair of, you know, skin tight leather pants and just dancing around the laundry room, you know, very provocatively. And it's just like, and it's like, really? Is that necessary to move the story along? Yeah, and, and not only that, but uh, as, as I said, that first scene that you're describing is, is, uh, is provocative of the tone of the film because 
when we when we first encounter anything uh, provocative is, is is that moment, and it is the eleven year old girl who's in inside clothing dancing around the laundry room. She's dancing around the laundry room with her back to us, and so if you go into the film not knowing the premise, uh, you you would not necessarily know from moment one that this is an 11-year-old girl. She turns around at some point uh, and, and surprises the main character and, and it's meant to surprise us as the audience. She turns around and flips her hair back and we see, oh my God, it's an 11-year-old girl who happens to look an awful lot like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I know in the original publication, that you know you mentioned that we'll get back to it later and then <clears throat> you know that get back to it was edited out yeah i, I had to have them fix that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember seeing that it's yeah. like uh yeah it yeah it happens in the editing process i know i've had people go back on you know message me about my shows like hey you start to get into this and then because i don't pre-write anything i'm a very um uh just flow of consciousness person when I do my show. So I might make a reference and with the intention I've, I'm going to get into this and then off I go down, now down the train tracks and completely forget that point. And people are like, uh, you need to kind of back off on that. I'm like, yeah, I know. But you know, like I, like I said, in our offline discussions, I'm a very, I'm a very Bill O'Reilly. We'll do it live. F it. We'll do it live. And so you get things. So you get things like in this interview. There's a Pomeranian yapping in the background because you know, yeah, you know, you can only edit so much. <laughs> right. But yeah, and it's like, it's like really like the intentional making the one character look like AOC though. It's like our was, I don't know if that was an attempt to kind of like fetishize even more than what's going on. It's just, it seemed like a really unnecessary thing, but you know, and again, there's, there's a lot of stuff in that movie that was completely unnecessary. I don't know how important it is. There's no question. I think we need 
think you were that, that it was intentional. Um, but the I, I think that the um, the takeaway without you know speaking to the director and, and, and asking outright, um, my takeaway is probably that this was done in the same vein as everything else in the film. And, and I have come to believe that the the director did this with good intentions um, because, quite rightly, uh, she assessed that, that sometimes films have to make us uncomfortable in order for us to, to get <clears throat> something that's going on in our, you know, our, in our world. Um, she has explicitly said that this is a, a film about um, the, the exploitation, uh, <laughs> almost disembodied of social media uh, or, or of, of children, particularly girls, on the part of social media. <clears throat> but um, but I don't know. It, it was a, it was an, an interesting and weird touch. And again, you know, having that be your opening scene of, of, of sort of productive material um, was a little bit jarring because um, not not to get too graphic here, but you are seeing if you go into this film and you don't know what you're getting into, um, nobody's explained this to you. You haven't read anything about it. Uh, you're just watching. And the first impression that you get is how this, this little 11 year old girl is, has walked by uh, her apartment building's um, laundry room, and there's a young woman in there dancing uh, and, and feeling very free. Uh, which is what this little girl wants. She, she desperately wants to be free from, from the controlling aspects of her own home life. And um, you might even, as, as you know, as a as a guy in particular, you might look on this, you know, pruriently even at the beginning if you don't know what you're seeing. And then when the girl turns around and flips her hair back, you get the shock of your life. Oh. I agree, and like one of the big things, and like I said, uh, the social media aspect of it, you don't have to watch a movie to see what young girls are doing for likes and retweets and all that on social media. You just have to log into TikTok and look at some of the videos they make, and you know, they're they're imitating the people that they see. They're they're imitating the Cardi B's and the Kim Kardashians and all this stuff, you know. And because for whatever reason, uh, think uh, Glenn Beck go, really goes into it in uh, Addicted to Outrage and the dopamine hits and all that you get with social media when someone hits that like button. Um, but and it, it becomes an an addiction to the point where you're they're doing more and more provocative things and we see this throughout the course of the movie where she starts doing leading you know you know Ami the 
the girl who kind of stumbles across all of this and is looking to escape, you know, the overbearing home life from her family. She's, you know, she's the one who really starts getting them to push the envelope, push the envelope. You know, she's the one who gets them twerking and, you know, starting to hump the floors and all that whenever they're, you know, performing. And it's one of those things, it just keeps going, you know, further and further until, you know, you know, one of the things she does is the cell phone that she's using the entire movie is a stolen phone. And even with her behavior, you know, when, when confronted, you know, hey, that's my phone, you know, she's taking this very maladjusted, uh, take on sexuality that she's beginning to develop and trying to seduce the owner of the phone to avoid getting in trouble. Yeah. And and you back on essentially her first impulse and it's very clear that she doesn't know what she's doing, but that she understands that this is what, this is what she's supposed to be doing. Um, and it, and, and I have to say, um, and, and I tried to be very, um, handed in the way that I received this film. Uh, hopefully succeeded at that. Um, I have to say, for as disturbing as, as some of this is, uh, um, it's so so well done. The, the actress who plays on in particular uh, might well be the best child actress I've ever seen. Uh, she's, she's so phenomenally good at expressing what she's Right. And that's one of the I think that's that's one of the biggest things that gets lost in the movie because of how much provoc you know how much provocative nature is there. Um you know, there there are some very, very heartwarming scenes and you know, you know, scenes that hit you right in the feels, um, where they're out kind of playing on, on the edge of the tracks and the one girl, you know, she finds a condom and is playing with it and they all freak out about, you know, Oh, AIDS, 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 don't touch us. Don't touch us. And then to the point that girl is crying. And then immediately into levity with, you know, you know, washing her mouth out with soap and all that. It's like, it's like it's amazing tension breaker. And, you know, like we said, it, you know, Comparing it to Stand By Me, where there are scenes where those boys get into some very tense situations, and then all of a sudden it's something to laugh at. It's like, whew, dodge that emotional bullet. Well, and yeah, and it, it is actually, <clears throat> there's a some pretty, uh, pretty direct parallel in Stand By Me. <clears throat> I think in the movie where um, I don't remember the main character, um, I think it's Betty maybe. Um, but one of the kids has a has a really horrible home life. His father's um, I think abusive or something like that. And these kids are teasing him and teasing him and teasing him. And they've been teasing him about his terrible father who somehow snaps and has this really emotional breakdown moment. <clears throat> 
really over the top uh, sexualization of, of these kids. Uh, I would not be able to recommend this movie highly. Oh yeah, I mean, I'll agree. This movie was masterfully shot. Uh, you said this. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. The scoring was amazing, and yeah, you know, even the yeah. the subplot of you know. Yeah, I I think the subplot of you know her being in a the very culturally strict Senegalese family, you know even you know if you take re- the you know the religion part of it out, just her trying to you know rebel against those cultural norms has been, and then you're seeing that conflicting throughout the movie. You know, I think that's one of the the best subplot in the movie is, you know, seeing, you know, what she's doing, rebel against her mom, rebel against her dad, who went back to Senegal to find another wife, uh, the overbearing aunt. And then at the end of the movie, there's the closure with her mom when her mom's just pretty much, if you want to come to the wedding, you can come. If you don't, I'm not going to force you. And there a realization that you know this is not necessarily her culture growing up in France right yeah the most frustrating thing about this film is, is how it left me uh, at the end of I mean the ending of this movie is so beautiful uh, because this little girl uh, manages to sever the necessary ties with her family to be able to which is to say not all of them, but she retains enough independence that you get the idea that she's going to be able to grow up and and form her own opinions about things and whatnot. But at the same time, sever her ties to this hypersexualized world as well and just be an 11-year-old girl. Uh, for, for those who are watching listening who have not uh, seen the film and don't plan to, Spoiler alert for those of you who do. Uh, the final scene of the film, as you, as you pointed out, her mother tells her that she does not have to go to her father's uh, uh, second wedding. Her father is now a bigamist uh, and is, is uh, marrying a second wife. Uh, and so she goes outside, and for the first time in the film, from the beginning, she's dressed appropriately for her age. She's just an 11 year old girl. There are kids on the sidewalk. Jump rope, and they invite her. Uh, they don't even say anything. I, I don't think they make any gesture toward her, but they might say something. Anyway, she goes over and starts jumping rope, and the final shot of the film is a track shot upward. Uh, that's what we call it. Um, and the, the camera is rising. And she's still continuing to jump into the frame with a bigger and bigger smile as she goes. Yeah, it's. I, and it, there's the, the dialogue that is beautiful and it's left me I, I'm not kidding at the end of this movie I had a, like a tear in my eye um, it's just gloriously beautiful with, with an unfortunate side effect oh yeah absolutely and the and I'm just glad that there was a during all the hypersexualized dancing there was a scene when when they go to the dance competition 
and everyone's really enjoying the show, even though, okay, it's little, it's little raunchy, but whatever, you know, a lot of these, you know, you know, dance competitions are, and then as they really, really get into the sexualized dancing, the camera cuts to moms and dads and the judges, and you can see the look of disgust on their face. Like, what are we watching? And I think that's, yeah, I think that's where I think it really turned a corner for me watching the movie is that, you know, the people in the audience eventually stopped clapping. Yes. Yeah, that the opening scene where you're seeing guys literally walking, carrying his own arm. You know, and it's incredibly graphic, but it's. Oh, yeah. And, you know, even me having been to Afghanistan. Yeah, I'm not afraid to say I have post-traumatic stress disorder from, you know, not from anything I've done, not from anything I've experienced, but, uh, you know, at our combat outpost, we had a bazaar nearby and over a course of just a couple of days, we had a number of, you know, mass casualty events where Afghan national police were brought in and children because an insurgent lobbed a grenade in the fruit stand of this bazaar and seeing kids who they only had the misfortune of living in a country at war became casualties. It was a rage that I, w- I was literally ready to grab a machine gun, just walk through and just mow the whole damn thing down. And fast forward, you know, a month or so down the road and I'm escorting blown up bad guys to a combat support hospital. And that doesn't bother me. 
look across the ICU and see a kid missing a foot. And that's the first time it really hits me that there's something not right here. And even, and that's one of those things. It's like, it's, it's uncomfortable and it's awful feeling for me to see kids who are hurt, see kids who are in agony through something that is done to them by someone else. But if I just turn away from it, it's not going to make me better. It's just going to, you know, kind of well, a personal, you know, thing there. But, you know, I think well, it, it, it gives some. Well, I think that's great. But anyway, and, and, and I would ask you, as somebody who, who's been close to this certainly I have probably a lot of the listeners, um, as somebody who's been close to that, what is your opinion of something like Saving Private Ryan or, or um, you know, the more modern films? I think it is. I mean, to to a point, there it is gratuitous, but at the same time, so many people, uh, you know, prior to Vietnam, American War was a fairly sterile thing. Prior to Vietnam, we got radio reports and you know maybe the newsreel with some very highly selected video that would play at the movie theater. But then, you know, Vietnam happened and now you're seeing American troops with bandages on them and you're, you know, you can see the blood. And so it, it became more graphic and, and, and I, I think it's like, yes, you know, seeing the guy carrying his own arm, some people say that's gratuitous. I'm like, that's a dude in shock who just kind of his he's on autopilot. Yeah, I've I've seen guys who. Yeah, I've I have have a, had a buddy, um, did not suffer any outward injuries from an IED. Completed the mission, got back to base. You know, he took all of his gear off, and then immediately. He's, you know, started getting sick because of concussion. It, it all of a sudden the adrenal wore off, and so now his uh, because of the concussion, his uh, you developed vertigo so bad that he just immediately started throwing up. And it's like, yeah, we're getting you out now. You know, and he ended up spending yeah. the rest of the deployment still in Afghanistan, but he was in a non-combat role because, like, we don't want you know, you know, you have an invisible injury that we need to keep an eye on, but we, we have a role that you can serve over here to help, you know, your other soldiers. And, and again, going, and I think, you know, as you know, that, so seeing those, you know, I know people don't like to see the gore in war movies because Oh, I remember in John Wayne movies or, you know, all these back in the fifties and sixties, I remember that just someone was shot and they died. You didn't, you didn't see, um, yeah. you, you, Oh, the I'm trying to think, can't think of the actor's name on saving private, private Ryan. He gets gut shot and it's 
you know, a 10 minute ordeal. It's a 10 minute ordeal while they're trying to get the, you know, the powder and the bandages and all that. And cause he's the medic and he's trying to talk him through it. And, you know, you know, same thing with going back into cuties. We see this movie and we want to throw a fit. Oh my God, this is hypersexualizing our kids and blah, 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 blah. It's like watching the Super Bowl this last year. My daughter, after seeing one of the shots of, of Shakira, she goes, wow, I didn't know you could look at her kidneys from that view. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like we, 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 we have people in culture. We throw a fit about this, this stuff all the time, but you know, it takes a French film that I, like you said, it tells an amazing story and it really puts these, puts these ideas right in our faces that when we have to confront it and suddenly, suddenly, Oh, we have, we, we have to cancel our Netflix because that's just so offensive. It's like, well, why aren't why aren't you uh, you know turning turning off the MTV and the VH1 and all that when your kids are you know yeah. kids are watching you know Cardi B singing about her what? Mm-hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's a really excellent point. Uh, I I'm I'm of two minds about it. I I do understand. Uh, um, I do understand the point of view of the people who say that they want to cancel their Netflix or that they have already canceled their Netflix account. I, I understand it because <clears throat> I think that there are um, everybody has lines. Everybody has a line, you know, past which you shall not cross, or else I will fill in the blank. And and I get it, uh, especially for parents. I'm I'm a parent. I have a, a ten-year-old who's getting ready to turn eleven here in a few months. Um, thank God he's a boy. You know, boys. <laughs> and uh, especially after seeing this film, I am I am grateful uh, that I that I don't have to raise a girl. Uh, but but um, I would not want him being moved. Oh, absolutely. Um, my my fifteen-year-old daughter. She got mad I that <laughs> I watched that movie without her. She's like. I really wanted to see it, see if it was as bad as yeah. everyone says. I'm like, uh, no, trust me. There, there's a reason why I locked myself yeah. in the office and watched it, you know, away from everyone else, because there's a lot of stuff that I said, she's 15. She makes her own decisions. And I think she's very well reasoned, very well grounded. I think I've, we've at least succeeded that much with her. And it's just one of those, like, no, as your dad, I'm saying, no, I'm not going to let you watch this movie with me. And of course she has satellite TV in her room, whereas she wants to use that to get on Netflix and watch it anyways. I really can't stop her. But as a dad, I can say, I advise against watching this. Hey, a pair of scissors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
express itself in art. Uh, I think there can be um, art that is very uh, um, deviant from the norm that, that, that uh, suborns the, uh, the the current paradigm. If if only there if only there was a website devoted to deviant art. <laughs> if only, yeah, I've I've, uh, I, I've got no problem with um, with artistic expression, and I've even got no problem with I, I have no problem with the making of this film. I really don't. I, I think this movie. I think that it had you had gone in and changed some of the camera stuff. And I don't even mean all of it. And in fact, this will be controversial, I'm not even sure that I mean the dancing. Because I think the dancing is, is at least... Um, the, the dancing gives context to what the point of the movie is. It does. It I does. mean... And I don't think that you necessarily had to take it as far as it went, but I don't think that it... That I, I wouldn't have cut all of that out. What I would have cut out is all of the other Oh yeah, like like the the scene, the scene where they're dancing on the stairs, like the scene where they're dancing on that stairway, and you know they're they're doing the very evocative, you know, suck on a finger, and obviously a you know, a stand-in for fellatio, and it's just like, come on now, that's that 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 is above and beyond the pale. Oh yeah, the don't need to see the cats on her underwear yeah got it it's like it's like yes yeah, she got pants in the fight I understand but you yeah like you say you don't have to you don't have to zoom in and pause long enough for people to pick up detail you don't have to shoot it as if you were panting scarlet johansson yes That's exactly what happened. They they would do a slow mo pan shot, a tracking shot going down her butt, so everyone would be like, "It's Scarlett Johansson's butt." I'm really glad I paid twenty bucks to see this movie. Yeah. Yeah, dopamine, like we talked earlier. Yeah, it's it's at that sense. Eleven year old girl, not so much. Um, so it's things like that that I found the most disturbing. There are a bunch of. Oh. Yeah, I, I tried to write them down on you know the white space on the when I printed your article off, and it's like, nope, I quit. I think I I think I wrote down like four or five, and it's like, no, I'm just going to get writer's cramp every time I see that's a particularly egregious scene. I mean, it's that, that, it's that, it's like, you know, maybe it's a, you've heard that expression. 
question. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a very, a very small third, but it's ruins but the still, whole punch. yeah, it ruins the whole punch. Which is why, at the end of the article, I, I said, and I, and I still think I stand by this. Um, I can't recommend this movie. I can say that if you watch this movie, one, don't watch it around children, and two, um, you're going to be if you, if you have any sort of cinematic The, the cognitive dissonance as you're watching this movie and you're you're saying this shot should outrage me because it's very explicit and then it turns around and does a very you know artistic shot the next scene with you know amazing scoring and all that in the background it's like okay i want to like the movie but i can't yeah you know, it's yeah you know, like i said my cognitive dissonance level watching the movie was off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And I, and I, yeah, I, I think typically I can, I, I can typically compartmentalize a film, even if it has some overt things that I don't care for. Um, I, I tend to get irritated by, by films that are overly political. Um, and just by dint of, it, of them coming fairly from Hollywood, most of them are, are coming from a liberal yeah. perspective, but I, I mean, I've, I've watched conservative movies that irritated me too because it, it got ham-handedly political, and it's like I'm not really watching this to be told what my politics should be. I'm watching this because I want to see a good story, characters, etc. Um, but I can usually compartmentalize if um, you know I see an Oliver Stone film, for example, I can appreciate the film for what it is and at the same time recognize okay this is clearly made from the perspective of somebody who has a has a very uh, uh, left of center point of view when it comes to politics he wants you to know it and he would like you to believe that he's right <laughs> um, as like his uh, like his uh, I don't remember the name of it, but uh, also on Netflix you can find Oliver Stone's was it hit unknown history or hidden history of the United States? It's basically he made a a documentary version of the Howard Zinn book, and it's just like, come on now. Oh God, I didn't even know that. Yeah, uh, it, yeah if you if you yeah, if you flip through the documentaries, you'll eventually come across it. I've seen it up there. I don't know how many times. Just like, I should watch it for the, you know. You know the intellectual reason of what is what is their worldview saying on these events? Right. I mean, and and some sometimes I'm not saying that you know their view is wrong. However, it it might give a different perspective. Um, I remember listening listening through to some of the stories on uh uh. The Revisionist History podcast from uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. He has a very overt point of view. 
I, the very first episode, he's telling the state of Texas to use its constitutional authority to divide into five states because nearly all of them will be will give two Democrat senators and completely throw the U.S. Senate into shambles. I mean, very overt. But uh, but listen to it, and but listen to it. There, there's some things where it's like, okay, that's an interesting point of view, and there's something that completely changed my mind on. Um, listening to it, my verse, my take on Brown versus the Board of Education. I think was a good ruling, but for all the wrong reasons, because it was was not based in the idea of separate but equal is wrong. It was based in the idea of these black teachers cannot teach as good as white teachers, so we need to integrate the schools. And it, it's like, and then I actually went and read through the ruling, and it's like my mind has completely changed on why this is not a good ruling. <laughs> Because it was made for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, so seeing things like, like I said, that that Oliver Stone history documentary, I want to watch it for just for the intellectual reason of it, not because I agree with his politics and how he views history. Right. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, so. Um, I think in the final analysis of, of beauties, I, I like I said, I, I can't I can't recommend it, but I can say that it that watching it, I found it to be a lot more of a nuanced um, issue than, than what I was initially expecting, and I think not that I to advise anybody one way or the other, but I think, you know, if you are the sort of person who can, who can subject yourself to this without A, <laughs> throwing up, or B, uh, you know, discovering some, some pedophilic tendency within yourself that you didn't know was there before, uh, if those two things aren't going to happen, uh, you know, and you can I don't think that it's something to be afraid of. I don't think it's something to be um, banned. I don't think it's something to be. Um, you know, I, I I don't know how I feel about this cancel connection with tripping over because I do think it is a violence. Um, but I I think that uh, I, I think that I, I guess what I would say is that the people. Uh, going to argue against because I, I think ultimately there the, the, the real fear here this is the film the real fear here is are we normalizing in our society um, things that portray children as having some sort of sexual agency that they they do not in real life or it should not and if that's a real concern and I think it is then it means that we who believe that need to be about the changing hearts and minds. I don't think that saying to somebody who is on the other side of this argument, um, this is terrible, this is child pornography, I can't 
Now, we might all, um, but I, I think that the, the real concern here, as I said before, is what is downstream from what is going on right now in entertainment? And if the answer is anything having to do with um, normalizing pedophilia or child pornography or, or even just child uh, hypersexualization and age, um, then I think it's vital for us to, to be in the business of trying to change hearts and minds away from that. And I think you're only going to do that through nuanced uh, conversations. Right. And it's bad enough when you have uh, news and opinion outlets like Slate that comes out and Mother Jones and several others that are decidedly leftist who come out and they write articles. Well, it's not pedophilia. Pedophilia is a crime. This is the minor attracted person. And they're trying to turn it into a sexuality. And... And I think that makes an even harder argument for people who say stuff like this, you know, and trying to have the nuanced conversation about a movie that's very questionable. It makes it even harder. Uh, it, you know, in the 1800s, and especially towards the end of the civil, during the Civil War and right after, you know, when Mark Twain was writing Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer, and if you try to look at those books through the historical perspective of his time when he was writing them, I mean, those books were the literary version of Cuties today. Like, wait, a white kid and a runaway slave can be friends? In the South, in the South Missouri was a slave state during the Civil War. You know, so in Missouri, Mark Twain's home state, even you know post-war, that would have been a huge slap in the face to a lot of people. And and so, I I think culture does need to have have these slap you in the face you know moments where we can confront things like you know hypersexualization of children. Um. Doing it in a, with a movie that you know people can use as a pause moment and get that nope dopamine fix, I don't think is the way to go about it. But I think it for people who are willing to have the conversation, you know, I think it's good. But like we've said throughout this interview, I think there's a better way to do it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I would. Um, yeah, I, I would. I would love to have been uh, on the on the staff of the filmmaking crew just long enough to have said. Um, just long enough to gotten fired. <laughs> Let's maybe don't use that camera angle. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Josh, it has been a great conversation. I am glad to have had you on. I hope to do this again one day. Um, yeah, me too. Thank you very much for having me on. It's, it's been a pleasure. I've, I've really enjoyed it. All right. Uh, for anyone who's wanting to follow Josh's work, uh, is there anywhere they can go to? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, uh, for right now, I'm building a, uh, a Facebook sort of fan 
fan page or, or fan group, I guess. Uh, All and, kinds uh, of food porn. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know, I I uh, I dip my toe in the pool of cooking from time to time, and I I like to post pictures of it because uh, apparently I'm not with the times in real life. That's <laughs> that's, uh, that's that's so five years ago or something. But um, yeah, so you can find me uh, on Facebook uh, at Josh Jennings. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at Cufflink Dive, uh, which is a long story, uh, and. Uh, I'm, I'm building a website that is actually not up and running yet, uh, but once it is uh, up and running, I'll let you know. And you can uh, have me on again to talk about something else. All right, absolutely. Thank you again for coming on, Josh. Maybe Appreciate it. Palatable, right? <laughs> right? All right, thanks for coming on. All right, so that's going to conclude this episode. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Jennings as much as I enjoyed sitting down talking with him via Skype. I'd like to take this opportunity to say that to thank you, the audience who is currently helping keep this show afloat. If you go to relentlessdaring.com, at the top of the page, you will notice a donate button. You can click there and you can set up a one time or a recurring donation, and that you know goes into the show. You can also buy merch there. And again, a couple weeks ago, I introduced masks. Both the 99% ineffective and the virtue signal models. That way, you can show people what you think of the mask when you wear them. Um, again, thank you so very much. It's everything that that goes on with this. It's because of you. You keep me wanting to come back every week and put this show on, and I am so glad to do it. And being able to expand out and begin talking to people and beginning to network and build more. It's because you guys have given me that opportunity. And I thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Um, also, don't forget, I ask you to do four things every week. Number one, go to Apple iTunes, if that's where you listen to it. And subscribe. More subscribers. It helps the algorithm to find more people. Number two, leave a five-star review or leave a five-star rating. Then number three, leave a nice review. That way people start to see, oh, well, it's it's highly rated. What are people saying about it? And then they can actually go and look, see what you all think, except for that one guy you know who you are, you dirty troll. And number four, share the podcast. Send it to someone you like who you think will like the show. Send it to someone who you like who you think will absolutely hate the show and is going to drive them bat crap crazy. Either way, I'm good with it. Again, thank you so very much. Oh, and also, by the way, I'd like to announce the show is now available on, on Amazon Music as well. So if you, if you have Amazon Music, you can go you now find podcasts on it. Go there, search Relentless Daring, and you'll be able to stream all the episodes there. Absolutely awesome. Still waiting on Pandora. They're kind of slow. Again, thank you so much. Uh, Y'all are making all this worthwhile for me. And as always, stay relentless. (laughs) 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.